Hello everyone and welcome again to NR1990s, the podcast where your two hosts are ranking all of the alternative albums of the 1990s, because what the hell else are we going to do on Memorial Day? Labor Day. What the fuck day is today? Labor Day is the one that's not about soldiers. It's the one that's about your ability to have a fucking weekend, your ability to get work a fucking 40-hour week rather than a 50-hour week and get paid, you know, reasonably well. And you know what? Fucking form a union. Take it to your boss. Celebrate Labor Day the right way because before, people died and put their lives on the fucking line so you could get benefits and not die from radium poisoning. So fucking celebrate Labor Day, motherfucker. If you don't unionize, you don't support the troops. That's, that's what I'm saying for some reason. Fucking uh, Little Rock TV station put out a like, thank you for your service on this Labor Day, troops. And I'm like, how about you eat my whole ass, Little Rock television station? Let me tell you what's for about the labor. <laughs> the whole ass. The whole all ass. All of it. It's a big ass. Well, we're spending our Labor Day drinking beer and uh, talking about some albums on the internet. So. And we're and we're not being you know the most bougie about this. It's some Blue Moon Harvest Pumpkin Wheat, which is fucking great. Don't let anybody shame you for drinking a cheap beer. Yeah, I'm not a not a not much of a beer snob. I'm I'm not a fan of like PBR. But fucking love PBR. Mm, just PBR and some tacos. PBR and nachos, fucking great. But I do like Corona, so I think that's actually like considered worse than liking PBR. So our anniversary a couple years ago when we uh, all the restaurants were closed because it's fucking Halloween, and uh, we ended up going to this Italian restaurant called Mama Z's here in Tonatown, and they have a neon sign on the wall that says Budweiser and spaghetti. I want that sign. If that place ever goes out of business, I'm going to try to get that sign. That sign is so fucking great. But that's what I had for that anniversary dinner. I had fried chicken and spaghetti and a Budweiser. Not a Bud Light, a fucking Bud. And it was great. It was perfect pairing. So drink Budweiser and eat spaghetti. Well, we're going to start off this week um, talking about The Muffs and their 1993 debut album, The Muffs. The Muffs. The Muffs. I bought this CD at a um, pawn shop around, would have been right around the time it came out, so I guess somebody just immediately pawned it, and the guy at the register laughed when he saw the name of the band. That's fair. And, uh, yeah, so... To be fair, I probably would have, too. <laughs> well, so I think the Muffs are pretty pretty damn good. They, they are actually pretty great. They and and consistent. They sound. They still pretty much sound like this today. If you listen to one of their newer albums, um, they were a are because they're still going. Are a well power pop pop punk. I don't think they are anymore. Oh, they're not. They. I thought they put something out like this year. Well, it looks like Kim Shattuck died in October of last year. Oh shit! I did not know that. Uh, she had a two-year battle with ALS. Fuck. On the same day, the Muffs confirmed that they had disbanded. Oh, okay. Well, that was breaking news from last year. Um, yeah, somehow I did not see that because I actually read more about them than I normally would. Um. Okay. Well, so this is their original lineup of Kim Shattuck, who was the lead singer and, and guitarist, uh, Ronnie Barnett, who is the drummer. I believe. I believe so, yes. Uh, Melanie Vammen, who quit the band right after this came out, and Chris Crass, who quit the band right after this came out. Um, 
so the the original lineup didn't last long, but uh, Tim Shattuck and Ronnie Barnett were the permanent members who were there until the end. Um, this is basically a power pop slash pop punk record with a little bit of, of like very of its time grunge influence, but it's it's not that grungy really. It's a nice mixture, honestly. Yeah, that's like going to be my my great praise for this album. Is like it's just a lot of different things at once. And it takes the best parts of those things and then delivers something that's completely palatable. Yeah, yeah. And Kim Shattuck, if you've never heard this band, her her voice is just like fucking perfect for this kind of music. It is, and you know what? She's so so she's so much better at that get that like I'm gonna scream now yeah. thing than I think like Courtney Love is. Courtney Love's is very distinct and of in Courtney Love's voice, but Kim can sing and then make it then work it flawlessly into a lyric. Uh, the way... She's a better singer than Courtney Love. Yes, for but sure. there's also something of like the singer from. Uh... Oh God. We did the the we did their album. Oh God, Veruca Salt. Yes, Veruca Salt. Very similar voice style, but she also has kind of like a has to like gear into the like kind of like screamy voice, and like Kim is just like so smooth with it. Yeah, I I wrote that she sounds like a combination of Joan Jett and Courtney Love. That's fair. That's that's I, I think Joan Jett was you know a bigger influence, obviously, because this again came out in eighty in ninety three. So um, Courtney Love hadn't had that much time yet to become an influence on people. And and musically, very Ramones, obviously. Um, I think a little more diverse sonically than the Ramones. Very much. Who I am, I'm gonna admit, not. I I liked them just fine, but I don't like. Don't worry about the it. Ramones. They grew up to be <laughs> asshole boomers. Don't. Uh, yeah. Well, Joey died, so he's, you know, he didn't get to really have that phase, but. Uh, Johnny was always kind of a shitty Republican, though. Yeah, he's a yeah, very much so. Um, so it, like this album is really interesting because it's like it kind of was not not a critique of grunge lyrically, but it was very. I mean, it starts off with a song just like shit talking a guy who's a slacker. Yes. Like, lucky guy is is totally just... Like, one of the lyrics is, you have no ambition and only ever sit around. I don't know why. And you know it's true and you've never wanted anything. You're a lucky guy. Like, that's that's just a takedown of 90s culture. <laughs> like, 90s, 20-something culture. Just right off the bat. And, like, in general, there's just kind of a... It's not like... There's there's kind of a maturity in their romantic songs, I think, that you didn't hear a ton of at the time, because, like... I really enjoyed From Your Girl. I think that was a... Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's like a 60s girl group song just played by a punk band, almost. Which is very much that Joan Jett influence, because Joan Jett definitely had an awareness of that sound and was like, but what if I was cool? <laughs> yeah, a bit like so. It, it kind of leads off with this trio of songs. The lucky guy is not necessarily romantic, but it's just kind of like telling a guy he sucks. Um, then saying goodbye is kind of like about outgrowing a bad relationship and realizing you need to get out of it. Which again, like a grunge band would have written a song about how you know 
they they were gonna kill themselves <laughs> mm. and everywhere i go is kind of about like realizing someone's probably about to start stalking you <laughs> yep um which is interesting because it's not like again in the lyrics it's like the person has, is not a full-on stalker yet but she's kind of like i see what you're doing and i'm gonna let it go for now but like I will fucking take you out if you <laughs> keep it up, and you can believe it when the, with the way she sings. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then uh, probably, well, not it, a song I liked a whole lot. Like the, it's not one of the best written songs on the album. It's pretty simple, but Big Mouth, I I really liked that song. Yes. And lyrically, that one is like you told someone something in confidence, and now they've spread it around to everybody, which again is kind of a you know, something you didn't necessarily hear a lot of songs about at the time. I don't want to take over for me here for a minute. I don't want to hear what you have to say about it. Uh, overall, I mean, this album is very... So I remember the Muffs. I didn't listen to the Muffs back uh, in the 90s, but I was aware of the Jimmy Neutron movie. Uh, I was a little too old for Jimmy Neutron, but I still watched it because it was a dearth of programming that was, like, enjoyable to watch that wasn't fucking Will and Grace. Uh, so I watched Jimmy Neutron, and they the, their cover of Kids in America is in that movie. And I was like, this is really great. I should probably look up who this is. But this is the early 2000s, so I'm not going to. <laughs> who has internet? And I was still skating a mile to the library and back to use a computer. And yeah. I remember being sad that I feel like that's the song people know the most like that's the song people know them by well so that's funny you say that i actually do remember uh everywhere i go i think was used in a futopia commercial yes yes i saw that which is so weird (laughs) yeah i remember that i remember that song being the futopia commercial me going like that's a weird song to be in a futopia yeah like the stalker song put it in a futopia commercial fucking love futopia though like mm. there there is an original cocteau twins track that only appeared in a futopia commercial what was futopia on i don't know goodness yeah good good music for sure um yeah so this uh there's just a general like quality of songwriting on this album that that is like sets it apart from a lot of the other stuff that was happening and and like i don't think this is a perfect album it's it's 16 tracks which is too long like every 90s album basically after a stupid jerk they could have just cut that off they could have cut out stupid jerk stupid jerk is a cover of the angry samoans who like in retrospect maybe not the band that you would have wanted to cover <laughs> yeah. with some of the Angry Samoans lyrics that are out there. Yeah, because the Mike Saunders is credit, credited for, with that song. Yeah. Um, who is from Little Rock, by the way. Uh, Arkansas native Mike Saunders of the Angry Samoans. <laughs> Not as cool as Dolomite, who is also an Arkansas native. Yep. My favorite Arkansas celebrity. Uh, Evanescence is also from Little Rock. Uh... I think I used to know that and had forgotten it. And then that the, the, uh, Bet Ditto. She's also from Arkansas. Okay, that one I did not know. Yes. Um, so, uh, but yeah, there's like, so you mentioned From Your Girl, which which has kind of like the 60s, you know, almost Motown girl group sound to it, but, you know, again, filtered through punk rock. Um, and then the song Another Day is such a last train to Clarksville <laughs> like, <laughs> clone 
which is funny because it was this weird thing in the 90s that everybody got into the monkeys um just like kurt heasley from the lilies who we haven't talked about yet said one time that the monkeys were his favorite band well that was like very much uh i think when kids pe- people who were making music in the early 90s they were kids watching reruns of the monkeys and they were still dealing with their parents like Beatles nonsense and I think that was a slight rebellion where their parents would be like yeah the Beatles are so much better the monkeys are just a parody and the kids would be like monkeys are on fucking something here and I the monkeys definitely went places I mean head head, head's a whole thing (laughs) but no what Kurt Heasley said is like the Beatles had Lennon and McCartney but the monkeys had an entire team of songwriters making sure every note was perfect yep they sure did well that was the whole reason the monkeys were on something it was just like Man, it's like if you just put people who had meticulously studied the Beatles into a room and then kept delivering Beatles songs. And just if, I don't know, if you don't if you don't love Davy Jones, there's something wrong with you. It's true. I love two Davy Jones. Um, but yeah, so it does have the thing that it's, I, I put pretty much the same thing as, as you. It kind of, the album kind of peters out toward the end. Um, there's still not a whole lot that I would have wanted to cut, though. I, I would have cut Stupid Jerk. I would have cut North Pole, which is the 31 second fucking around in the studio song. Mm. Not not a song. It's someone going on a bass while there's like windy sounds. Um, and then I think uh, All for Nothing, the last song, uh, it, I think is like the song is fine. Kim Chaddock cannot sing it. No. She sounds like she was on like a four day whiskey and cigarette bender before they (laughs) recorded it. And her, like, she can't hit the notes. And it just, I I don't know why, because the rest of the album, she sounds really good. But that song, her voice does not, I mean, it's like kind of a soft acoustic number. And it's just like when she's just letting it go, like doing her Joan Jett thing on all the other songs, she sounds awesome. And, but that song just does not work. Yeah. And it's, it's weird how that doesn't, so what sets this album apart, which could be against it in like the whole like strata of pop punk, is that it's a little it sounds a little too produced, but like there's nothing wrong with that because it's I think it's coming by it honestly. I think that this is a bunch of people who know what music sounds like, they know how to use their instruments, and it's a very novel first attempt, which is why it peters out towards the end. And I think that's what they were like, well, we got it. We should use it. Right. And like, that's definitely someone who is like, I know music. I'm confident in what I've done and not getting that, that final like pass of like, this last song is not good. I should not, I should not put this song out here. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, and like I was saying, there's just almost nothing. It it would have been hard for me to cut this down and say like, these are the songs that need to go. Like I can only come up with a couple that are just like, I wouldn't have put this on the album. And I mean, and that would have cut it down just enough. I think it would have been a little more easy, a little easier to listen to. And not that this is bad. I, I think this is more probably one of the better pop punk albums we've listened to so far outside of the Harvey Danger album. It's not bad, but it's, um, it has the same problem that I have with the Ramones where it, it is, it's more diverse than the Ramones, but after 40 minutes of it, which is about mm-hmm. how long this album lasts, I'm ready for something different. And they give, I mean, they make a good effort of having different stuff. I mean, like, it, like we said, there's songs that are inspired by sixties groups. There's, um, uh, what is the song title? Um, 
better than me is like the most grunge inspired which if you listen go listen to better than me and tell me it's not just a sped up version at least on the verse is just a sped up version of on a plane by nirvana (laughs) like the rhythm is exactly the same and the the chorus is, is totally different and like poppy but like it's it's 100% on a plane on the on the verses which who knows if that was intentional I tend to think it probably wasn't and that they had just been listening to Nevermind because everyone was um but yeah I, I don't uh I mean I don't have a, I don't have anything particularly negative to say other than it's like it's a definitely a a debut album kind of just like throwing shit out there and we put too many songs on this album just because we these were all the songs that we had. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's what it feels like. And it, but other than that, like the first part of that album is like so good. Like it, it it's very, it's, it's very much in the summer jam realm of music because you could put you know Lucky Guy and Better Than Me from Your Girl on like a summer playlist and be like, yeah, this, this is my my pop punk esque summer jams playlist and like it works. Yeah, and and if you don't pay attention to the lyrics to Everywhere I Go, that one definitely is. That song sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just a like a nice catchy jangly pop song. Pop but if punk. you want to threaten a dude who's following you, definitely include Everywhere I Go because choice. Yeah. Well, so I I don't have you know much else to say about it. No, I, I think it's a really good album and. Um, I await your rankings. <laughs> well, I'm gonna guess that from what you just said, I'm not getting it above where have all the merrymakers gone, and it, pro- it probably shouldn't go above that. I think that album's just better. Like, yeah, it's I, I on a song by song basis, I like this one more, but it's not as the musicianship's not as good. Mm-hmm. Um, I would. Hmm. Okay, so it's better than Far Space Alpha, I think. Yes. I don't know that I would put it above No Depression, so I think we're looking in the 21 to 23 range here. Uh, I'd be fine putting it above Stereo Lab. I, I think I kind of would too. It's I'm kind of surprised how many albums I'm putting above that Stereo Lab album. I mean, that album is fine, but it's not. It's it's kind of. It's really good musicianship, but it's just like to to an end that i just ultimately found kind of more intellectually appealing than than like satisfying i don't go back and listen to it i, I go back and listen to some of the some of the songs that we've done on this show so far and I, I haven't really gone back to that stereo lab album i just haven't been in the mood for it uh i, I think i honestly think that's a good place i think that stereo lab album is kind of like middle of the pack and it will show itself as being kind of like the middle of what we're doing yeah, I could I could flip a coin honestly put to put it at 22 above Cobra and Phases Group or at at 23 below it. Um but I think that's the area. So if you feel strongly it should go at 22 then then I think that's a good place for it. All right. So we're going to put The Muffs self-titled debut at number 22. And that was a nice and easy one. And then we're going to come back for something much harder to talk about, which is Voltaire.
Alright, we are back for our second album of this week, which came to us in 1998 via Project Records, our second uh, project entry on the list. And it is The Devil's Breast by Voltaire. Oh. Alright, so I used to really <laughs> like Voltaire. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and just fucking say it. I don't, I'm not a big a fan of Voltaire anymore. We were, like, to the point that, like, Back when Facebook had you just be people's friends and you didn't have, like, public-facing pages, I was Facebook friends with Voltaire. I'm not saying that to brag. <laughs> Anyone could have done that. But I got to see a side of Voltaire that made me go, mm, bro. And so when I went, mm, bro, I unfriended him and just went on with my life. And I almost got to interview him. I don't know what happened with that. It was when I worked at the radio station and he was coming to, he was going to be in town for a show and the contact who handled projects stuff asked if I wanted to interview him. And, and I said yes, but then I never heard back about it. Well, that, that's pretty, that's pretty Voltaire. So if you don't know, Aurelio, Aurelio Voltaire uh, is a brilliant uh, illustrator. He 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 can does he does animation outside of music. That's really what he went to school for, and what he was most known for before he started doing music. And even today, you can find his animations and like bits and pieces here and there, especially things he contributes music to. And I think he has a really beautiful creative eye. I think he is a, a brilliant illustrator. I think that he has a, a keen ear for instrumentation. I think that he has a lot of demons. And those demons keep getting worse. And sometimes people use music as therapy. And he's going to hear this, and I feel bad. And <laughs> um, I hope he doesn't hear this, honestly, because we're not going to be super nice about this album. <laughs> I'm trying to be as diplomatic as possible. I don't, I don't hate it. I'll go ahead and say that. I don't hate it either, but, but there, this look in 22 years after this album came out, that's right, 22 years Things for Voltaire actually got worse rather than improved as far as his, the, the humor and the darkness of his lyrics. And things in this album, you would not catch anybody saying today. And there's, there's this, there's this reverence for Voltaire because he's very chummy with the community and I get that. He is a very charming guy. And I still appreciate that about him and I still really like him as a person in many ways. But like, Fuck this! Going back to this album just made me like despondent. Also, <laughs> well, uh, let me let me sum up. If you've never listened to Voltaire, like if you're not a goth music person, um, so he does kind of an acoustic. At least he did at the time this album came out. It was kind of acoustic, cha almost chamber goth because it's like he's listening to dark guitar, cabaret. Yeah, acoustic guitar, cello, violin and drums and that's basically the the instrumentation for this record so i liked him and i liked the divine comedy similar you know orchestral basis done like orchestral bass music done differently and i love that i love it i still love it and the best thing I, the, the 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 nicest thing i have to say about the devil's bris is that the music is still good? The music is like really beautiful. A lot of for a lot of the songs, it's the prettiest of his music outside of I think almost, almost human. human. Yeah, almost human is like the best Voltaire album. <laughs> like if you're gonna listen to Voltaire, just go straight to Almost Human because it's 
I haven't listened to it for a few years, so I, I might regret saying that. But it, like to me, that was the one that was the one where he almost crossed over because I remember reading an interview with him when the, around the time that that album was released, where they called him the Frank Sinatra of goth. Yeah, and uh, talked about like how this like goth is not really like it, that term is boxing him in at this point, and he did change after that, but. But not he got in like the way that parody goth. He became parody goth, and the the, the, the thing that frustrates he me the most. He became a goth comedy novelty singer after uh, that album, and it, he's like. He, so here's the thing that I'm gonna say that like, it, he's not funny. Like when he tries to be funny, it's not. Except for a couple of his Star Trek songs, USS the USS makes shit, shit up is really funny, and like. I don't even think the song about fucking data is very funny. It's it has its moments, but so like when I saw him, I went expecting to hear him play his songs, and instead he would play a verse, and then where it should go to the chorus, he would stop and be like, "That reminds me of a story," and just do like ten minutes of unfunny stand up, and then go back into the song and like I don't think he played a, a complete song. It, like he because he would he just kept stopping and talking and like trying to tell jokes that yeah. f- that didn't go over. <laughs> well, that's the thing is he's very conversational. He's very charming when it comes to that. But sometimes you kind of just want to hear the music too. And it, it's I don't know it. Voltaire has a very dark and tortured history. The song "The Chosen," uh, the first part of that song is very similar to experiences that he had in his own life. Um, yeah, which I you told me that this week, and man, that was uh, that was a thing to learn about. Yeah, I'm not going to go that, into full details here. In context, but yeah, definitely look up if you're interested. It's on his Wikipedia page, probably. I mean, he's very open about it now, um, but I think that that kind of like coming from a really tra- traumatized place really informs a lot of his music, and I understand that, and it's. It's why I'm being gentle. Well, let's let's get into the record itself. So, like, I also said that, like, aside from the musical descriptor, lyrically, this is Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, the album. Yes. It's very, like, lol random, but lol random serial killer a lot of the time. Yeah, because, like, like, so there's, like, the men upstairs, uh... Ex-lover's lover, the chosen. Yeah, I mean, it starts with a song that lyrically is about killing your girlfriend's new boyfriends and, like, hacking them up into little pieces and mailing them all over the world so they can't be put back together. Okay, but that song fucking slaps, though. Like, that's the, that's the problem. It's like, the, the lyrics are just like, oh, man, that's dark. But then, like, the, the beat hits and it's very, like, folky, just, like, angry violin sound, and you're like... Yeah, I want that. Yeah, well, and that's how I feel about When You're Evil, which is probably my favorite song on the album. <laughs> um, it's one of the rare times that I actually find his attempt to be funny actually funny, but it's also like a really good song. And it's like there's a cleverness to the lyrics. It's not just like like a lot of the humor he goes for is either like like lol random or it's like poo poo pee pee. The thing is, he's exceptionally <laughs> like, witty when he wants to be. And, and the, there's the part in When You're Evil, it, like the 
the sort of like breakdown where it's just the the stream section playing where he's like you know it gets so lonely being evil and and he does this thing where he's like maybe i'll give it all up and then then it like everything kicks back in and he's like i'm lying through my teeth (laughs) like (laughs) like that's that's funny to me in the same way that uh it, it weekly uh weekly moments reference here the song complete history of sexual jealousy yes. part 17 through 24 when he's like you've been stupid enough to hurt someone to love someone who hurt you a lot but i'll hurt you more I'll like it's it, it makes me laugh in the same way that line makes me laugh so like even though when you're evil is very much like just him singing about being this you know basically the the devil's tool on earth <laughs> to, the devil to, tips his hat to me yeah just to do the most horrible things imaginable to people and enjoy it like it's it's still very 90s that song that song john and vasquez indie comic world but it's it's good we have moved past the the frame for john and the homicidal maniac i tried to read that again recently because i did a uh single issue uh so they were they were re- they were reprinting the singles and redistributed them earlier this year. And I was reading that and I was like, man, there's still some good bits here. Oh, which I'm sure there are still I have parts to keep the wall funny. fresh. It's still hilarious. Which, if you don't know. I, he, I think the guy running out of the bathroom screaming, someone put shit in my pants, will always be funny to <laughs> that's me. That's also but good. <laughs> but yeah, this is very much in the same like realm. And I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if Jonan and Voltaire know one another i'm, I'm pretty sure they certainly met. do they definitely share an aesthetic they said uh, yeah i don't and i should have done more research there because i know that as an animator maybe voltaire would have been uh you know around yeah and one place i forgot to mention this one place uh also both of our artists this week have a cartoon connection because voltaire did there's like a whole episode of he did the, adventures he, of billy and mandy that's a, just a voltaire song the, he did the, the theme song for billy and mandy and yeah, he did that and entire he did episode. brains is the, oh. the name of the song which is a great song oh that fucking episode's great billy and mandy yeah. is really good if you can find that so anywhere, uh, if you've if you've heard you know if if you remember the episode about the uh, the alien telling billy to bring him more brains that's that's voltaire I want to. I want to. On the side, I think Voltaire has an amazing voice, mm-hmm. and it's why it gets super frustrating when he starts doing like the, the more comedy stuff later in his career because he has a beautiful fucking voice. There, are, you don't get a voice like this every day, and he can do a spot on Kirk singing impression, and then he just went with that. That's well, just... he really is kind of like, like the goth Frank Sinatra. I think is really apt because he's kind of like if Peter Murphy were a crooner. Like yes. that's that's what he sounds like. He's he's, he's not he's concerned a, with sounding like David Bowie. He is just himself, and it's mwah. yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's Peter Murphy too, but it's not like a he's not ripping Peter Murphy off, but he's definitely like every goth has every a goth, goth voice. singer every male goth singer comes from Peter Murphy, and he's <laughs> no exception. But yeah, so uh, I think we need to talk about uh, parade and the man upstairs. Yeah, well, and we need to talk about the chosen. Yeah. Which I think the chosen is maybe the second best song on the album. That's a yeah, like it, that's, it's such a. But again, it's such a weird thing where the attempts to be funny like t- take the song off the rails because it's this. It's like, a murder suicide. It's a murder suicide from the point of view of a schizophrenic narrator who was raped as a child. Yeah. If you think that that's a good place to throw in jokes, like if I'm schizophrenic, then I am too then you'll enjoy Voltaire's later catalog. It, it, it like it's this incredibly harrowing song and then he's just randomly like cracks jokes in it that aren't like that just don't belong. 
it's yeah it's, it's like he he constantly subverts his own intent with a need to i think he is deflecting with humor i think something gets too dark for him to deal with and he kind of deflects um that's me reading into it obviously i don't know but that's what every single song after this like in his later works that get to that point so I'm going to mention Dead Girls because this is the only Voltaire album we'll be able to talk to, about on this show. And the song Dead Girls is similarly fucked up because it's about a guy who's robbing corpses so he can have girlfriends. And if you yeah. think about that, that's fucked. Well, yes, necrophilia is fucked up. Yeah, and but then he manages to make it both oddly compelling, like you under you begin to understand kind of where this person's coming from, and you go, wait, what the fuck? And, but he's singing from the perspective of a detective who is just like, what the fuck just happened? Well, no, it's like the, the necrophiliac guy is, well, it starts off as like a, no, it's a the, prosecutor it's a, and then the necrophiliac yeah. guy takes over. And this is, and is, these are, this like is his, his own words. It's his defense to the court, basically. Yeah. And so you kind of get it. It's compelling, but you still go, that guy fucked corpses, though. Uh, I don't that, believe Voltaire has fucked a corpse. No, I'm talking about the song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. But yeah, but yeah, so that song's great. And it's it's one of the songs where he comes up against a really taboo subject with humor and and grace in a way. And it's great. It was, yeah, and, and that's another of his songs where the humor works because yes. the whole song is is black comedy. Like the chorus, you know, dead girls like me, it, you know, it, it's the humor works when it's consistent, but like. And and it almost hits that like I I don't want to say this is funny because it's it's not funny like the subject matter is like the worst thing imaginable, but in the chosen when he says the first time I had sex I was three the first time consenting was thirteen like that's black that's kind of black comedy, it's not laugh out loud funny but it it's like the unexpectedness of it makes you like laugh uncomfortably yeah um. And and if he had kept it with that, like the rest of the song is just completely harrowing, and and you know, like you said, it's it's you know, first it starts off with him explaining this is why I have to kill you, and then this is why I have to kill myself after I kill you, and and it's it like it's musically it's it's totally on point, and the lyrics are they handle the subject matter really well in the way they sort of like the repetition of certain turns of phrase with little with slight differences it's just when it tries to be law random you know i do what the voices in my head tell me it, it's like it it's just like takes you out of it in a big bad way yeah it's someone who's not afflicted with this with this uh diagnosis uh trying to depict it and that's something that he is not great about through much of this album well, much I say two songs for in general. Yeah. Like, so now this is a good time for you to give your your uh, thesis, your master's thesis on the man upstairs. All right. So I don't give a fuck about you know taking digs at people at your neighbors being noisy and abrasive and uncomfortable to be around. That's just the nature of life. Your neighbors are probably going to be shit. How Voltaire decides to characterize the man upstairs as a Clearly, he's going for, quote-unquote, insane. He is depicting him as schizophrenic in many ways, saying that Jesus is on drugs, is what this man frequently says. 
And the song just devolves into that very pissy Republican, like, mind view, the Republican point of view where, okay, I'm having this one bad experience, so fuck rent control, which, fuck you if you say that. Uh... Why? Why am I the one paying more money when I'm being afflicted by this by someone else not taking care of themselves? And it's like this complete, just like selfish, just anger-inducing approach to someone suffering and someone has a condition that they are having a hard time keeping in control. It's not on them to control themselves if that's who they are, and people who have mental health disorders are doing the best they fucking can. And this song has a sentiment that is rife throughout the goth community. Like, it is just like, and this is something that he also does later on in his in his music, where he has a just bad stance on mental health and it's and how it's treated. And I don't really give a shit about the context of his, like, my neighbor's obnoxious kill them. But when it gets worse is the way he's depicting the neighbor and the way that he's taking a stance against this so quote-unquote liberal mindset of protecting people who can't afford to you know live elsewhere and it's just it, it comes it's a very selfish pathetic tone to this song and it, it, it hasn't aged well and he drops a nice transsexual prostitute bomb transvestite transvestite actual prostitute prostitute bomb in this song so i don't know that that's that's not the, that's actually not the part like I'm was, mad about. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think that that I did not find that that part of the song offensive. At I am all. more I, upset about his characterization of mental health. I thought that that line was just purely to like paint a picture of like to give you a mental image of what what this place is like. But it makes them but it makes the narrator contemptuous at this point. I don't, like, yeah, I didn't feel the, I mean it's just a tossed off line and it, that that line does not feel contemptuous to me. But that's not that's not the whole thing. I'm saying that the lyrics in total make the narrator of this song someone you cannot empathize with in one way or another. Yeah. But there are people within the fucking goth community who do. I've dealt with them. Right. I so have. to me the what the song is is Gen X stand-up comic. Yeah. Like, I don't think that there's much of a conscious statement about mental health issues or... Just being bad about ...rent them. control. It's just the just that general outlook of, man, fuck everybody. Why, why do they have to make my life so hard? And, and like, you know, his, his 2019 album, there is a song that's like, girls are so much sexier when they're off their medication, and that's shitty, and I really hate that song. But... I feel like he had to metastasize into that from this, where I don't think this is a considered point of view. I think it's just supposed to, it's just a stand-up routine about your shitty apartment. But now it's a real red flag, Natalie. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, just hearing that shit, you're just like, oh man, if I had been aware, because it just has gotten worse. And I know people have a lot of, you know, love for Voltaire's music. He has some great songs. And I'm not saying Voltaire is a bad person. That is not what I'm trying to get at here. I'm thinking that sometimes the way he's tackling subject matter has consistently been bad. Yeah. Well, so another one, and, and you know, we can go back to Man Upstairs if there's anything else you want to say about it. But Snakes, that song is also like a real shitty, like, it practically like a nice guy, you know, like, 
it, it's, it's a guy who can't take the hint that his relationship is over but he's supposed to be the sympathetic one. <laughs> yeah, which, no. It, yeah, it's like, all I know is it's midnight and you haven't called, and it's like, okay, well, here's the thing you could learn from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and and that song is preceded by the 30-second album that's just, the lyrics are just, or 30-second song that's just, you bitch, you bitch, you hurt me. Yeah. Which, again... There's just there's just a lot here. There's a lot here, and that's why it's when you talk about Voltaire and you have any negative opinion about his music, you kind of have to be careful because so many people love him, and I still like a lot of his music. It's just I feel I've outgrown a lot of it. Absolutely, and if if we hadn't outgrown it, it would be an issue. <laughs> like yes. this is music. I I don't know how old he was when this album came out. I'm assuming he was like not older than 25 if that old because this definitely sounds like the a very immature young point of view and 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 in some ways you know this album gives me some warm fuzzies like because it reminds me of being 22 years old and listening to this i love the the song they know me yeah they know me here that Uh one's good anniversary what like how is anniversary written by the same guy who wrote snakes anniversary is the most like achingly painfully embarrassingly sincere love song ever written it's and I really sometimes pretty play on our anniversary though Dadley barely hears it. <laughs> it like that song is so much more despite being you know a little cringy it, it's so much more mature than everything else on the album so it, like he clearly so i mean i guess that makes me wonder to what extent is I don't know. It's it's just really hard for me to square the same person who wrote Anniversary writing the, like, Girls Are Sexier when they're off their meds song. Yeah, and I think it's just, like, when I said at the beginning of this piece that I think Voltaire has a lot of demons that he's still dealing with, and I think that's very evident. And I think it's just the way life has treated him and the way that he's navigated life has just led to increasingly more just, like, pro lyrics. And I can't imagine... The, I mean, I can't imagine because, like, the, pir- the pirates came to the vampire club. Like, that song is hilarious and full of, like, in-joke digs at people in the vampire scene in New York City. But it's done so well. And you're like, that, was, that song's actually funny because he is just riffing on people that he knows in a very loving way. Yeah. And then other songs are just these experiences that you get almost get the feeling that he's, ex- he's had or been adjacent to and it's just done so callously and then it comes then it then it morphs into like well what if i go to the furthest dark recesses of a, of a thought or a feeling and like there's a place for that but like i don't know if it's in music um this album's conflicting and i don't hate it i, I want that to be very clear even now even though i have some misgivings this album, I don't think, is terrible. But it's one of those things you have to go back to with some clear understanding of the time and when it was made. Yeah, and and if you were a goth kid when when this happened, then I think you'd get... You can have sort of a nostalgic 
return to it. If you were never into any goth scene, you'll probably hate the shit out of it. Oh, think yeah. It's like the dumbest thing you've ever heard. Um, e- even if you can appreciate the music, which again, I think you totally can. I think the music is beautiful for the most part. And uh, I can't listen to Shalom though, because he can't, he can't pronounce, he, he can't Hebrew. speak Hebrew. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, it's like nails on a chalkboard. It's like, but it, it's, it's uh, like, I think it's clever to include that on an album that where the title is basically The Devil's Circumcision. Yes. So. Oh, no, he, he was very on point with it. Yeah, no, I, like, I don't hate this album. I just think that going back to it now, I'm reassessing a lot of my interest in his music and the songs that I love, I will continue to love. But it, it's time to just put the Voltaire on the shelf. Most goth music you can still go back to just fine. I've never had this kind of experience. I mean, there's some, like, death rock that I've been like, ah, fucking grow up. And it's like, I've <laughs> walked off. But there's not many one really doing death rock right now, except for, like, like, rope sect. So. I wonder what happened to that Chinese death rock band that I used to play on the, on my goth show on the radio, at the radio station. I don't know. Rebuilding the rights of statues. Oh, we should look that up. Yeah, I wonder if they ever did anything else. I only know that one album. All right, well, we should drink this and get out of here because I'm still smarting from last week's marathon. Uh, me too. Episode, a real marathon last uh, week. So I'm thinking. Ah, oh, fuck! I don't know. This is a hard one to rank because it's, like, it, cause it's a good album, but then it's also just like a very ugh album. and just such a such a like. The difference between the music and the lyrics, <laughs> it's so much easier to praise the, the music now than, than to praise the lyrics. Uh, probably between Dandy Warhols and Gary Newman, I think. Uh, yeah, okay. See, this is one if you want to put it below that Gary Newman album, I'm, I'm going to be okay with that. Fucking do it. I, I just uh, put it below Marcy Playground. I don't... I, uh, um... Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, that's debatable. I think it's. I think the Gary Newman album is definitively better than this one, even though it's also a very, you know, well, place. lyrically, it's very much better. Um, I, musically, I I liked this more than the Gary Newman album, but I, I don't think it should be above it. Um, I'm fine with putting it above Marcy Playground because that album's way higher than I would have put it. Um, album's better than Natalie gives it credit for. I mean, I don't... Mm, actually, I, I I probably do like this more than our other project entry, Blow Eyelash Wish. Yeah, it's up to you on that one. Um. Well, I would... I, I would put it above Marcy Playground. So if you want to put it at 27 between Exile and Marcy Playground... I am fine with that. That's, that's fine with me. I, I think that's I a good place for it. Yeah, there's nothing... I mean... I think though I think I think if in like closer to the '90s I might have put this higher on the list, but now I'm just like. Mm-mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like back in like 2001, <laughs> I would have put this like definitely in the, in the top 20. Yes. Um, but it's it's not 2001 anymore. Um, all right, so that'll put this at number 27. Yup, yup.
Okay, so between Gary Newman's Exile and Marcy Playground's self-titled album. Alright, so let's uh, read off our top ten, as is customary. At number ten, Eight Arms to Hold You by Veruca Salt. At number nine, Ten by Pearl Jam. Uh, number eight, Without You I'm Nothing by Placebo. Number seven, Kill Uncle by Morrissey. Number six, Superstition by Susie and the Banshees. Number five, Very by the Pet Shop Boys. Number four, The Philosophy of Momus by Momus. Number three, Liberation by The Divine Comedy. Number two, Get Lost by The Magnetic Fields. And at number one, uh, Nonsuch by XTC. If you want to see our full list of albums that we've ranked, you can go to bit.ly slash nr1990s. That's bit.ly slash nr1990s. You can also find our nr1990s official playlist on spotify where which contains every album that we have all 44 albums that we have ranked so far and uh you can subscribe to our podcast wherever you get podcasts i will catch up putting the episodes on youtube as well at some point <laughs> we get so few views on YouTube that it, it like doesn't feel worth the extra effort most I think of the time. I think you should still do it though cuz like it, I've noticed they keep taking up over time. Okay. Um so next week we will be back with two more albums and uh what are you bringing next week, Adrian? Uh Rubberneck by the Toadies. All right, and I'm going to do we don't have a real in the era british shoegaze album on this list yet so i'm gonna do um spooky by lush there we go we're gonna put that on the list and i do want to do um a couple of a couple of announcements if you like any of the music on this play on this show uh the divine comedy actually right now has reissued all of their albums on vinyl if you like vinyl collecting um so for a mere $300, you can have every single Divine Comedy album up to uh, Foreverland. Except for Fanfare for the Comic Muse. Which he disavows. Yes, but, but it like, is a Divine Comedy album that is not included in that set. But the, some of his albums were never released on vinyl, and the ones that were are in the hundreds of dollars. So this is actually a super good deal. And if there's anything that you like, definitely check that out. It's on the uh, Divine Comedy official store. Also, the Tower of Strength 2020 project just in, just released on Spotify. The final printing is happening now, which is a bunch of legendary goth musicians, uh, members from Susie and the Banshees, members from The House. Gary Newman sings on this on the track. Uh, all of these all of these people coming together to re- to do a sort of band aid version of Tower of the the Mission UK's Tower of Strength. The all of those files are on Spotify now. I highly recommend listening to it. Look for TOS twenty twenty. All right, and with that, I think we're gonna knock off for the night and go drink some more beer and eat some vegan pot roast, which is gonna be amazing. Yes.